Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. And I love this series because that has got to be our life. The God of a way is what I've entitled the message this morning. He is the God of the way. And we sang this morning, I'm going to see the victory because the battle belongs to the Lord. But we sing it, but do we really believe it? We keep singing, you know, you've got this, Lord, you've got this. And we go home and then we stress and worry and fret. Well, then he hasn't got it, has he? He's got it. I heard a saying once, and I keep repeating it, we lie the most when we sing. And I know that's true because I was leading worship when God had called us to come to America, and I said, heck no. (laughs) We'd planted three churches. I knew what it was like. I told Rod, I'll join you in two years. And I was leading the worship singing, and I will go to the ends of the earth for you. (laughs) And God hit me, and I'm like, you liar. (laughs) So here we are. So I want to give you a little bit of a background um, to what I'm going to share on this morning. And we're going to the children of Israel, and we're going to the plagues that came upon Egypt. And I always think of Maria's mom when it comes to the plagues of the frogs. Because Maria's mom, Maria knew she was safe while she was living on the farm, that her mom would never live with her. Because her mom can't stand frogs. You're not safe anymore. (laughs) So we're going to go back. And you've got to understand that the plagues upon Egypt were a war on their gods to show that God was God Almighty. So, um, and Moses repeatedly, here's the scenario. The children of Israel have now gone to Egypt. They've been in captivity. I don't, every, there's different um, 430 years, 400 years, give or take. And all Moses is saying to Pharaoh is, God is saying, not me, Moses, let my people go. And what happens is they, he's like, not happening. So you get one plague after another. There were 10 plagues. Let me tell you, after one plague, I would have said, you guys go. You're bad news. 10 plagues. Do you know what those plagues were? You can name them. I had, some of them had blood, frogs, lice. How many of you want to live with lice? Their livestock died, boils. I mean, yeah, I've done it on the outside. Now let's just put it on you. Locusts, darkness. And then the last one that the firstborn will die. It took 10 of these. And you know what also baffles me? Is when Pharaoh agreed, so here's the frogs everywhere, in the bed, in the everywhere. Do you know what he says? Tomorrow. I'll let your people go tomorrow. Why the hang are you waiting for tomorrow when you can do it today? And we have a lot of tomorrow believers. Tomorrow. Well, guess what happens? Tomorrow never comes because it's now today. And then it's today. And then it's today. So after the plagues, and you've got to understand that this was very symbolic to Israel because after the parting of the Red Sea, a nation was truly born. That is when the nation of Israel, the birth of a nation took place. So it's very prominent. It's one of the final decisive acts in God's delivering his people from the slavery in Egypt. And ever since then, it is a typology of Jesus coming to rescue and save us. And you'll see that as we go along. So I'm gonna pick up from Exodus 12. 
verse 31 to 33. So this is on the, the final plague that's come upon them when Pharaoh decides, I'm done. It says, on the night of the 10th plague, the children of Israel left Egypt and God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. Now, if you know Israel, we had the privilege of going there. And if you know Egypt, I have not had the privilege of going there. If you understand from getting one place to the next, I wouldn't be very happy if, number one, God took me on the road of the desert. And number two, if I knew I was going to the, de to the sea, the Red Sea, how the hang am I going to get across to where I'm supposed to end up? Correct? So here's Moses taking all these people, grumbling. I'm sure they were grumbling. And you've got to understand that the way to infiltrate a nation is not to destroy them. It's to move them from their home ground, put them in your habitat, and within years to come, they will adapt the culture. When we go back to South Africa, a lot of people tell us you've become so Americanized. I go, well, I am American. For your information, I am a real African-American. Can you tell? Again, we always say Africa is a continent, not a color. I am proud to be American by choice. So it's gone to Exodus 14, verses 4 to 14. I'm paraphrasing it. God told them to camp by the sea. He told them that the king of Egypt would come after them, but the result would be a massive victory. So God's telling them, I'm moving you from here to here where you are going to absolutely 100% need me and trust me, but I'm going to get you from here to here. How many of you are in a position of life where I absolutely need him? There is no back, there's no sideways, there's only forward, and all I see is a massive ocean. The road of the impossible, but God loves the impossible. I can't wait to hear you. Well, you next week. Two weeks, Ron and then you. Verses 9 and 10. Just as God had said, all Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and troops came after the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea. The people were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Verses 11 to 12. So what's happened is God's taken them out, brought them here. Pharaoh's changed his mind after 10 plagues. How dumb can you be and still breathe? So he's now decided, no, 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 I want them back. So the children of Israel are here. Here is the sea and here is the army. You are completely surrounded. So now not only are they starting to doubt God, they've turned on Moses and they're mad at him. You brought us here. Doesn't that kind of sound familiar when you go back to the Garden of Eden? God, you, number one, who gave me her, so he blames both of them. If it's not you, it's her fault. It's exactly the same today, the blame game. But what happened here is they got into fear. So what does fear get you into? Anger, doubt, unbelief. How many of you are fearful for the situation of this country? How many of you are angry with what's going on? You know what's going to happen if you get too fearful and too angry? You're going to start to get critical and start blaming. 
I know that God has this nation in the palm of his hands. I don't care what you see. I don't care what you hear. And I know God's going to take us right through that sea of impossibility. And we're going to get to the other side. Amen. Don't you dare. I can't stand it when people down this country. I can't stand it. I love this country. If it wasn't for America, you know, America's damned if she does and damned if she doesn't. If you do it, what are your motives? If you don't do it, why were you so slow? I love this nation. I come from Africa. This nation has poured thousands into Africa, and I thank you. I thank my people. I wish I had a flag right now. (laughs) Verses 11 to 12. So they turn against Moses. Let's do verses 13 to 14. Look what Moses says to them. I would have told them, you useless bunch. What does he say? Don't be afraid. Isn't that what the angel said constantly? Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you need only to be still. Be still and know. Oh, shucks. If I don't have a top that I can pull up, I feel like I'm claustrophobic. I'm hot. I feel like one of those CIA guys, you know, with all black and my little. (laughs) So in Isaiah 43, verses 16 to 19, it just shows me how we spend our lives filling in the blanks. Here we read that the children of Israel had to go through the sea. So then we read they went through and God did it, period. So a lot of time, a lot of muck, a lot of dirt, a lot of effort from here to here. That's why I love Wednesday night Bible study with Barry because he takes scripture and puts you in it and makes you live it. The culture then is so different to our culture. We just, we have it all in black and white and just read and skip and that's it. This was hard times. Put yourself in that position. And you know that when Moses spoke When God spoke to Moses, he said, my name is Yahweh, which means I am. Not I was, not I will be, I am. And I love that. You know that there's a right way? This is not what we, there's a right way, there's a wrong way, and there's Yahweh. I love that. So, and like I said before, the right way isn't always the right way. You can be doing something right, but it's not what God told you to do. Listen to what Yahweh is saying moment by moment. Let the I am lead and guide you. And you know that God will make a way, but that word Jehovah in Latin is Yahweh, is the Latin for Yahweh, which all means I am. So whether you say Jehovah or whether you say Yahweh, it all means the I am. He is the I am. And God tells us we have to get to know him. And Rod's been um, pounding this in. It's not getting to know about him. It's getting to know him personally. He is the God of the also, again, already, always, after, and so much more. Don't box God in your hearts. We worship the great I am. Let's go to Isaiah 43, verses 16 to 19. So this is, Hundreds of years later, whether it's 700, 750, here we have Isaiah quoting what happened 
700 years ago. And he's also having now to move the people. And he says, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and the reinforcements together, which represents our enemies. And they lay there never to rise again. They are exhausted, snuffed out like a wick. So what he's doing is he's reminding them, guys, I wanna show you what God did back then, which means he can do something right now for this situation for us in this tricky mess. He is the God of the way. Do you need him to make a way in your life where all else has failed, where things seem impossible? How many of you have almost impossible situations in your lives? You know, if you have children, let me tell you, it's nice when they're little. You can grab them by the ear and you're not going there. You can't do that to a 40-year-old. I'd like to, but you can't. The good news is he is the God of the way. And I just pray, Father, right now that each one of us can just submit to you. Father, that we will stop. It says that they were still and we can hear your voice. Father, work in and through us moment by moment of what is your will? What does the I am want for right now in Jesus' name? Um, I'm gonna, Jerry, I have to start with you this service. And he's gonna, I, I answered and he's just gonna answer the way I answered, so pardon the way he answers. But Gerald, the 18-year-old Gerald Tilton, would he think that he would enroll at the age of 63 to do Bible school. <laughs> so what was the possibilities at the age of, hell no. <laughs> I said the same, when would I, 22 years old, we got married. We then helped plant a church in Zimbabwe, moved to South Africa, planted a church in South Africa, came to Flagler Beach, Beach planted a church here. 22-year-old, if God had told me that, I would have said, hell no. And I would have run the other way. That's not a bad saying in South Africa, okay? So just like you guys say some words that are offensive to us that aren't offensive to you, and I'm not even going to say it because I can't. <laughs> it's, it's still offensive to me. <laughs> yes. No, you didn't offend anybody. Okay, so let's go to you, Jeff. Would 18-year-old Jeff ever think he'd end up here in Flagler Beach? Not a chance. I mean, isn't... Lisa, how about you? You've been in Flagler Beach just about your whole life. Would you ever think that you are where you are now, at 18-year-old? <laughs> and here you are. <laughs> You're still here. <laughs> So what you say no way to yesterday is normal today. That's how far God has taken us. And Isaiah had the difficult task of bringing the people to, they wouldn't listen. He sees something into the future that even after they are carried away, that God is still faithful. And to give them this picture, he reminds them of what happened. And we saw that, how he made a way in the desert. And I want to go to Isaiah 43, verse 18. It has a bit of a contradict, uh, it's a bit of a contradiction. Because here you have Isaiah saying to the people, 
Go back, remember what God did. Then you have here, in this scripture, it says, forget the former things. See, like, is, are they psychotic? No. What he's saying is, go here, stir up your faith, get to know who God Almighty is, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Know what he did there. So come here, forget what he did there now, because God's doing a new thing. And trust him for what he's going to do here. But so often we go to the past, oh God, I used to do this in ministry, I used to do that, so now I want to drag it here, and I can't. Let it go. That was what God had for then. Use it to give you the faith and the trust that God's going to do something new here. Amen? It freaks me out when people live in, oh, you know, God used to do this, and God, I'm like, well, what's he doing in your life now? Stop looking back and start moving forward and trusting the, for, the Father for what is it today that you have for me? You don't have to stand. I say people are either one or the other. You know, you don't have to stand in the past. You don't have to stand in the present. You can't see. We stand with both feet in the middle with the binary truths. I take what I've learned from here. I put faith and I know God's got a good way for me there, period. It's that simple. Remember where you were. Remember what God has done, but live in what he is doing. Don't live in where you were. Don't live in what he has done. Live in what he is doing now. Find a way to tap into the past that will cause you to trust God in the present. And I'm going to share with you, um, you know that some of us are just one phone call away from needing God right now. One, phone, one text away from, oh my gosh, correct? We all sit here, it's great, but you can have that one phone call and your whole life has changed. That one email, your whole life has changed. That one incident, your whole life has changed. Many of the things that you are standing in today, you said no way yesterday. Whatever it is in your life that you are saying no way, the depression can lift. The situation can change. You can come into a greater season. There will be plenty of self-talk that tells you, no way, no way, nobody understands. Nobody's been through what I've been through, but God has a way. You can't wallow in the past, guys. I just, my, I didn't come from a very good upbringing. My worst is when people use their past, even when they use the hurt of a church. Oh, I've been so hurt in church. Well, who hasn't? Get over it. Seriously. So you're going to keep blaming? Get up and get going and make a difference and show people this is not what church is like. Amen? I, I learned a lot. I went, the people that hurt us so badly in ministry, 10 years later, there was resolve. We sat face to face. She cried. She said, Val, I am so sorry. I said, don't worry. I learned a lot from you. She said, you did? I said, yes, I learned what not to do. I did, ask Rod. <laughs> At least turn it for the positive. Sorry for that, eh? <laughs> you know that God is not early. God's not late. But he's always on time. And you're not always right. Thank God. Nope, you're not, Darcy. Sorry, your husband's going. <laughs> yeah, I can see he's trying so hard not to go. <laughs> I 
Isaiah said, tap into the past. Don't get trapped in the past. Because the way he made yesterday may not be the way that he's made for today. You have to hear God's voice. And this is where I, I made the mistake last service, is when God spoke to all the children of Israel, when he spoke to them, he spoke to all of them. It wasn't through the burning bush. It was only Moses. But the scenario in Exodus 19, 20, it says God spoke to all of them. They all heard God's voice. But then you just go, you go a little bit later, and now Moses is saying, come guys, let's all go up to the mountain. Let's all hear from God. What do they say? Oh, no, 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 Moses. You go, you hear, come back, tell us and we obey. How much has the church become just like that? I'm not going to hear from God. I go to church on Sunday. You hear, you tell me what to do, then I go home. Then I might come to Wednesday Bible study. Barry, I'll hear from Barry, go home and do. God is calling you to go and you to spend time with him and you to hear his voice for you and for a nation. Do you love this nation? Then start hearing from God because that's the only thing that's gonna save this nation. It's not our government. It's not our school system. It's you. Amen? All right, that wasn't there for the first time. That's just for you lot. Yeah, God uses, you know, God will use people in your life that are only seasonal. So, and that's okay. We had a couple that because of them, we ended up here and they're not here today. But I thank God for them. I honor them. But it was a season. He is our help. Psalm 121 verse one, it says, I lift up my eyes to the hill. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And I have to throw this in here, guys. Sometimes Ron and I get into so much trouble because people say, you're not helping. You're not doing this. The church isn't doing that. How do you know? How do you know? And for your information, who is supposed to be your help? Rod and Val? Coastal Family Church? Who? So yes, God calls us to help. But if I am making you come to us for help all the time, I am taking the place of God and I have made myself an idol in your life. I will not do that. I need to take you to draw you to hear from God yourself. Then we come alongside you and we help you. Amen. Yeah, we've got to tap into what he did to trust what he is doing and then move through what he is doing, even though I cannot predict where it ends up. So I try, tap into here, and then I trust him here, and then I move here. You've got to move. Amen. This is the clean part, and I'm not going to uh, go much longer. In Isaiah 43, verse 16, it says, The Lord makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. In and in. Some of you don't want to go through what you're going through. Too bad, too sad. God does not take you out. 
He doesn't take you around. Guess what? He takes you through. So you might as well just put your boots on and go, I'm ready. Because who fights the battle for you? Amen. He doesn't take you around it. He takes you through it. Do you know, and I want to just quickly say this. When Moses got the people to cross the Red Sea, the length of the gulf was 195 miles. And it varies in width between 12 to 20 miles. And it's 230 feet deep. So when people say, oh, it was just a little tiny stream. You try. So I'm gonna, I want you to envisage this. So just say here, this is the middle. So here's this ocean. It is, let's, between 19 and 32 kilometers, 20 miles wide. So now you've got to pass through 20 miles. That massive ocean of however deep it is has got to part both sides. Can you imagine what it must have been like walking through there? You never know. I would have been confessing my sins the whole way. <laughs> because if I get about halfway and God finds out a sin, he might just go, boom. Let's just close this ocean. Also, what was the ground like? Was it parquet flooring? Was it asphalt? What was it? Mud. When you go to the Keys or wherever it is and you walk, it's muddy. So guess what? The mud leads to the miracle. How many of you are in the mud? I told Rod this morning, I wanted, our next door they're building and it's just a mess. It's just mud. I wanted to bring a bucket of mud this morning and throw it at you all. I did. I, I so badly wanted to. <laughs> because, guys, we're muddy. We carry mud. But I love what someone said to me at uh, the last service. I said, if you're going to fall, fall forward, because at least you've gained ground. But then they said, if you have mud on your face, at least you know you fell forward. If you fall back, you haven't gained ground. So... We live in a muddy situation. So what do we do? We move in and through it toward the miracle. Amen? The Tilton's granddaughter. I'm telling you, she's had, we can name four miracles. I don't know how, but it's been a muddy situation. Has it been easy? It's muddy. It still is muddy. But let's go through it. Amen? And also, I want you to know, just please look around you. Have a look. Every single person here has got mud on them. That's why I wanted to throw the mud. Don't feel judged by the perfect family or the perfect couple. Just look under their shoes. You're going to find mud. Get to know them long enough, you'll find mud. I want you to know that in the muddy situation, no matter what, if you're in the muddy middle of a recovery process, the muddy middle of discouragement, depression, the muddy middle of your kids leaving home, the muddy middle of trying to have a child, the muddy middle of trying to bring your kids up or not kill them, I don't know which. <laughs> Remember that he is the God of miracles. And I wanna put this up, when the devil says, no way, we say Yahweh. Yahweh, the I am is present, amen? Psalm 103, verse 7, God made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to his people. Let me tell you guys, marriage is muddy. It's muddy. Come on, be honest, guys. We don't understand ourselves, so good luck to you. 
Relationships are muddy, but it doesn't mean there's no miracle. And I want to read this. It doesn't mean you continue to sin. This shows you something that God can show you in the mud, but he cannot show you if you just stand on the sidelines. It's not always going to happen your way. And then Jesus summed it up in one verse, everything. In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that answers all of life's questions. There are three areas that all of us in life want. Number one is everyone wants some direction, correct? He says, I am the way. Everybody wants some reality, some truth. He says, I am the truth. Every single one of us wants something that will last forever. He says, I am the eternal life. I will be here forever. Jesus didn't tell the disciples about himself. He didn't show how they should do it, guide how they should do it. He said, I am the way, follow me. And when the devil says no way, again, we say Yahweh. And I'm gonna end with this, Proverbs 14, verse 12. If you can just come up, Fred. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it is the way of death. We've gotta understand, doesn't matter, let me tell you, being a believer is muddy. Those that told me, accept Jesus into your life and everything's great. You lied. He never promised it was gonna be great, but he did promise he's always there for us. He will fight the battle and that he is the God of a way. And if there is no way, guess what? He will make a way. If he can make something from nothing, he can make a way for your situation. And I know there are people here this morning that need a way made for them. And I'm just gonna ask you, if that is you, can you stand? If it's with your children, your business, your finances, a situation, just where you find yourself, just life. If you just think there's so much mud, God, where is the sunshine? I want you to stand. I'm standing. I love my children. My children love Jesus. Are they serving Jesus like I want them to? That's questionable. But you know what? God will make a way individually, separately, and differently for each of my children if I'll step out the way. So Father, I just thank you this morning. All of us carry mud. But I also know that that mud reminds us of the miracle. And we choose, Father, today to turn our hearts towards you, to be still, to seek your face and to hear from you. We trust you. We say, Holy Spirit, come in and make the way for me and I will follow you. That's all you've got to do. He says, follow me. Don't you go before him. If God before me, who can be against me? So I pray, Holy Spirit, that each of us can start work, walking this journey, not on the sidelines, but right through the mud, straight to the miracle.
in Jesus' name. And those that don't know him, all you have to do is allow Jesus, the person, into your heart. Surrender to him and say, Father, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Have my heart, have my life, and your way will be changed in Jesus' name. Because he is our way maker. I want us just to close with this song. Thank you, Fred. You are rainmaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Father, we thank you that you give us ears to hear what your Spirit is saying. A thousand may fall at our one, one side and ten thousand, but my God, you're with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And Father, I thank you that we have the opportunity to go into a needy, dying world this week. 
and tell them about the way maker and testify about the way maker. Father, I thank you that each one here and in the sound of my voice will become a source of directing people to a miracle this week. That we be the carriers of good news. That if God before us, who can be against us? And Father, I thank you that every step we take, we take in you. Every breath we breathe, we breathe in you. And we thank you for that, my God. Because you're the God of the I am. The current, present God. And so, Father, we thank you. As we go into the highways and the byways, we carry your presence. Because we're the vessels through which favor flows. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.